I want to read for us Luke 2, 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. About 20 years ago, my wife and I were privileged to travel to the Holy Land. And the last five days of our time in Israel was to be spent in Jerusalem, lodging at the Plosh King David Hotel. It's one of the nicest hotels in the world. Unfortunately for us, the Chancellor of Germany was meeting in Jerusalem for a political deal, and we got bumped for three days of our stay from the King David. When dignitaries go to a place, they get to stay wherever they want to, even if I have a reservation. Let's think for a minute about the birth of Jesus. Was he a dignitary? By all means. King of kings. Lord of lords. Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord of life. The uncreated creator. The sovereign of the universe. He sort of puts all other dignitaries in perspective. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem, and in a, well, the text doesn't say exactly. Here's how Christian scholar and Middle Eastern resident Kenneth Bailey describes it. The missionary who spent virtually his whole life in the Middle East understanding the, the nature, the culture, the customs of the Middle East, and his writings allow you to read the Bible through the eyes of those who wrote it, Middle Easterners. Here's what Kenneth Bailey has to help us with. Mary and Joseph have relatives in the area. After all, they are from the house of lineage of David. Bethlehem is the city of David. In all likelihood, they have relatives that live in Bethlehem. And we're told in verse 6 that while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. Give Joseph some credit. He's not a thoughtless klutz. He's going to leave Nazareth in plenty of time to get to Bethlehem, to get Mary settled, relaxed, to have time to give birth to the baby. Maybe even leaving Nazareth at the beginning of the last trimester so that she is not exposed to ridicule becoming great with child. They get to Bethlehem. They find lodging with their relatives in a peasant home. Given Middle Easterners' penchant for hospitality, 
it is unthinkable that there were not family there who would not include them in their own home. Let me describe to you the nature of the typical peasant home. Several important features. These homes weren't too dissimilar from the platform I'm standing on. You would enter the home through a series of steps into a very flat space like this, where everyone lived. Remember the the, the story in Luke 15 of the woman who loses a coin and she lights a lamp that lights the whole house? That's the peasant home, the space that they were in, one big area. In the back, there was a guest room. In Greek, that is the word kataluma, guest room. In all likelihood, this is what uh, Luke means when he says there is no room for them in the inn. In this peasant home, guests have already arrived for the census and they're occupying the guest room. If Luke wanted to say there wasn't room in the local Ramada or or, uh, Best Western, he would have used a different Greek word. The word that is used in Luke 10 when the Good Samaritan pays to have the guy that was beat up put up in an inn, that's a different word. They arrive at the home in all likelihood, a little bit of speculation, in this peasant home, there's no room in the Cataluma, so Mary and Jophus settle in to this one space, this peasant home, with their relatives. Another feature of the home is, down here, also enclosed at the lower level, there's space for the animals. They would come in at night for their safety and to give warmth to those in the house. On the ledge between the main floor where we lived and where the animals are down there, there were indentations in the ground called mangers, feeding troughs. So the way the animals were fed was you take the straw of the stuff, you put it in there, they'd stand there and eat it. That is in all likelihood the place into which Mary took Jesus and laid him into this cozy, safe place in the manger. Luke is focusing on the manger. He uses the word three times in the chapter, verses 7, 12, and 16. So you have to wonder this question. Is that where God wanted his baby boy placed when he was born? Yes. If the Lord God wanted a room to be available at the King David Hotel in Bethlehem at that time, he would have made sure there was a room. If he wanted Jesus, the eternal Son of God, born into a wealthy neighborhood somewhere, God Almighty has the power to ensure that that would happen. In fact, it does not. Me, all my kids would have been born at the King David. God Almighty sees that his Son is born into the most humble of circumstances. That's the point of being placed in a manger. So let's think about the witnesses to the birth of Jesus. We obviously have Mary and Joseph, probably some of the family members who live in the house. If it's night, the animals have come in, and we know the shepherds came. Just for grins, the wise men weren't there when Jesus was born. Let's throw them in as well. So we have Mary and Joseph, the residents, the wise men, the shepherds, and the animals. Here's the question for you tonight. Which of this cast of characters do you identify with? I'll tell you who I identify with. The animals. 
Because the one thing we know about animals is they make a big, stinky mess and they can't clean up after themselves. My heart is a mess. It is stinky, poopy, full of sin. And I can't clean up my mess. What is God telling you about your heart and His Son? It is simply this at Christmas. Jesus does not despise the stinky hearts of poor broken, wretched sinners like us. He still goes to those places. If he went there in the first place, this place had an odor to it. The animals were right there. You really couldn't get any more lonely. If Jesus is willing to be born there, he still goes into hearts that are dirty, smelly, dark, and poopy. There's only one person in history who can take away the stinky stench of your sinful heart, and that is Jesus. And he does so, beloved, by opening our hearts with the light of his truth, the warmth of his love, and the cleansing of his blood. Thirty-three years after Mary laid her little baby in that manger, that baby was lifted up from this earth on a hideous Roman instrument of execution, the cross. That cross alone is powerful enough to remove the stench of your sin and the sins of everyone in the world. He bore the curse of sin in our place. Jesus came to reverse what we can't undo. We make a mess. We can't clean it up. We are like the animals. And beauty of beauties, the moment you believe in Jesus, your life becomes a sweet, fragrant aroma before God Almighty. You smell lovely. You smell as beautiful and as righteous as the Son of God was in His 33 years of life. I didn't always know that. I did not always know that. For a long time, I didn't think I made a mess. Turns out, I was just flattering myself. Then I thought I could clean up my mess. Turns out, I was just kidding myself. Then Jesus said, Mike, you are a mess. Humble yourself. I will take your sin. I will come in and cleanse you and make you new. Those of you who have Jesus in your heart, you know the relief, you know the rest, you know the grace, you know the sweet taste of his mercy, you know the confidence, the hope that comes from it, the praise that inevitably flows from your lips. Have you opened your heart to this Jesus? Do you know the stench of your own sin? This Jesus will not refuse your heart when you ask him to come in and make you new and make you beautiful and turn you inside out and save you from yourself and make you a fragrant aroma to his Father forever. Let's pray. Oh, the humiliation, Lord Jesus, 
evident from the very beginning. Born in the stench of stinky animals, showing us you do not despise our awful, smelly hearts. You will enter in. You alone have the power to cleanse us of our sin. You alone make us righteous with your Father. You alone clothe us in the beauty of your person that the Father now looks upon us when we believe in you. And our lives, amazingly, are a sweet, fragrant aroma to Him forever. To you be the glory. For yours is the grace and the power and the conquering of sin and death. We adore you. What a king. What a friend. What an infant. What a savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.